0: U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC.
1: It's a huge improvement. I barely heard you for a lot of the prior podcasts. It seemed like I wasn't paying attention to what you were saying, but it was just that I could only hear from one side. Now I've got the high-quality headphones on. Should be a better podcast.
0: I don't know how that's going to work with you actually hearing my nonsense, but it is good. Also, the interference and all that. So, hopefully, the sound quality is better. Uh, what's up, Liz? Uh, how are things going, man? Things are good in my life. All
1: sorts of stuff happening geopolitically, but personally, my life's good. Today is uh, Sasha's eighth birthday. Turned oh, happy eight birthday.
0: Oh, exciting. Happy birthday, Sasha.
1: Yeah. Just going to, she's actually up later than she should be right now. She. Through a tantrum. Uh, just, she, she, I don't want I don't to get into details, but um, she'll be asleep shortly if she's not already.
0: Uh, next month, Chloe will turn seven. So, how, how was the age seven with the daughter? That's uh, great. Seven's a great year.
1: And they're old enough, they start dressing themselves, showering, getting out of the shower, putting themselves to bed. It just becomes easy. You know, Heather was in London last weekend. It was just Sasha and me, and it was. It was good it was just fun we barely got any fights it was like it was just fun so it's a good age
0: good deal um yeah i like it myself too definitely good ages both my kids i love the three-year-old too. 3 three-year-old son right now is a, such a cute stage i just want it to never end uh, well, we to edit, can, edit this part out nobody wants to hear the shit uh, we can go uh in a number of different ways here let uh i mean there's the sports world's obviously a weird time now i mean I did a, you know, we talked a little fancy baseball, but where do you want to start uh, politically or, uh, you know, the coronavirus? I mean, where, where do you want to go?
1: So I want to start with an observation that I had. It was some guy, I wish I, I had his name on, when I mentioned on XM today, but I, I forgot it again. Anyway, if it comes to me, I'll, I'll mention it as we're talking. But this guy had this theory that there's all this fake news and everybody knows like what a fraud cable news is and and how... Just over and over again, it's just so hard to know what's true, and we have this situation where just people believing completely different things, and I see it in my Twitter feed because I follow people from very different sides of the spectrum, and I mute most of the people that, in my opinion, are just shills, but a lot of people from both sides tweet, you know, they quote tweet those people into my feed, so I see some of the things that people are saying that I didn't even want to see, and I just saw, I didn't even read the article that he wrote, but I heard about an article that he wrote, he, and, and in it he says that the news was never the truth, even back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s when people trusted mm-hmm. it. It wasn't bringing you the truth, it was bringing you consensus. And think about that, like the importance of having consensus about what's true.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, are things are things the same back then? Just uh, is it like is the world crazier? Things happening, or is this more coverage? So we we hear about every single thing, and the fact that there used to only be three different channels, the shows were terrible. That would get you know ratings now that would be easily lead. So um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I don't I don't know what does that mean back then. Maybe the news always was this corrupt. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. What is well, your take? Well,
1: that's what I'm saying they were able to manufacture consensus yeah. because there, there wasn't social media, there, wasn't, there weren't independent people, oh, okay. they yeah. were not corporate owned, able to put a check on them. So the networks were able to create consensus and mm-hmm. it wasn't true what they were saying. It was just stuff that people believed and there was value in that because it's kind of like, you know, if everybody thinks the earth is flat, and we all agree on that, and then some other people start thinking it's round, you're going to have some conflict. You're going to have bitter conflict among the sure. professors who have jobs. They've come up with brilliant maps of the flat earth to the you know nether regions that nobody's explored, and they have all these ideas and scientific studies on it, and they have tenured professorships. For their knowledge about the flat earth And if someone comes along and says actually dude It's round and all the shit that you've Based your career on is bullshit That guy is going to be A pissed And B come up with a whole bunch of refutations And he's an esteemed member of society And people believe him, and he has a following And the people who Are alleging that the earth is actually round They get a following Because they have you know some scientific knowledge And whatever And it, it drives a lot of conflict And I feel like what's happening now Is that because there's no consensus. nobody. We don't all agree on what's happening. You literally had a substantial portion of the U.S. population and probably still that thinks that Trump took orders from Vladimir Putin, that that was like a thing, that like Trump was a Russian plant. And there's people that think that there was a pizza place where some crazy, I don't even know what was going on in that, um, right. uh, that pizza place thing. They, they thought that was going on. And these things are crazy conspiracy theories. This isn't like Epstein didn't mm-hmm. kill himself, where there's so much evidence. This was stuff like, well, you see, Trump did these three things that helped Russia. That was good for Russia. So, of course, he's being controlled. Can't you see? It's okay, obvious.
0: Then, then where is it coming from that you think this would become from the top, which is Trump? And obviously, it's the opposite of that. So, I mean, advertising ratings. I mean, what are you saying? Just the Democrats just control this? So if there's just a sanction? I mean, what, explain to me how it's happening. Well, what, I, what I'm trying to say is now that there's no consensus about what's
1: Again, it was, the consensus was never the truth about the Vietnam War, about what happened in...
0: Okay. You know, all
1: of the things that were going on. That, you know, you know if, there, if someone said, if the news is fake, imagine history. I mean, that's kind of scary, right? Like, the news, right. if even the, if even today's news is fake, imagine, you know, right. like long-term news, which is what history is. So it's always fake, but there was consensus, and so that, or at least, you know, not among everybody, but among enough a critical mass of the people that we just sort of, and so it brings me back to this idea, this article that, this this article was written by this philosopher that I studied in college, it was in the late 19th century, called The Fixation of Belief, the guy's name was Charles Peirce, and Peirce's whole, I probably talked about this before because I talk about it a lot, but Peirce's whole theory was that Uh, People have a sensation of doubt, not I doubt this, but just doubt, like uncertainty. I have doubts, I have uncertainties, and it's actually an uncomfortable state to be in. Who do I draft at the first pick? I don't know, I'm not sure, Uh, I don't know, I'm kinda stressed. Who would you draft here? And so I have a doubt, and I'm asking you to tell me the answer to the question, You know, who do I start this week? Because your answer is gonna help me resolve the doubt. It's going to give me a belief instead of a doubt. Belief is 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 a uh, is comforting it's uh, he also called it belief a habit just basically to give me something a prescription a prescription what to do, prescribe for me what to do in in the face of this uncertainty and this doubt and so what the news did back in the day, even though it was not true, you might give me the wrong answer. you might tell me to draft or start the wrong guy. but before the game starts, I'm just happy that I know who I'm starting. I feel better I'm like ah. I know who I'm starting at wide receiver. Dalton Del Don is an expert from Yahoo Sports. He told me to start Santana Moss over Matt Schaub in my flex spot. Mm-hmm. So now I feel better until the game starts, right? I feel better because I've got an answer.
0: And the news, the news, similarly fills in the gaps, or what?
1: Well, I think people want to make sense of what's going on. Well, what is going on here? Like, what, what is the deal with Trump and the Democrats and impeachment and all these things? And so they want a story. They want, they have a sense of doubt of what's actually going on and they want, or what's going to happen tomorrow. They want some sort of belief to have in place of the doubt. And we all have, you know, as human beings, we'll get enlightened if we can really embrace the doubt completely, but few people have the discipline or the desire to get enlightened. So they, instead of going so deep into the doubt that they see the truth beyond underneath the doubt, they want it resolved. And so they ask you start sick questions and they watch the news and the news was pretty good at resolving doubts because there was consensus. Because there was a consensus. So now what's happening? So imagine if you said, say we're taking calls on the radio show, which we don't do. Oh, you got to start, you know, Santana Moss in your flex, and I said, no, 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 you got to start Matt Shaw. He's a quarterback. Don't be ridiculous. Now we've just fucked the guy because he wanted he wanted to have something resolved. Maybe he doesn't trust me at all. He only trusts you, and what I say doesn't matter. But if he doesn't know who to trust now his doubt is the
0: opposite of what he was at literally the opposite of what he was aiming for
1: even if i'm helping him find the truth he doesn't want the truth he just wants the doubt resolved mostly right whether or not it's true now of course he wants to win but let's just say neither of us know anything more than he does we're just using public information it's not but he asks because he wants some resolution and and i feel like in the past you can get the resolution and they were all saying basically the same thing and now that the media that's saying the same thing, CNN, and MSNBC, the Washington Post, New York Times, have been discredited among a huge swath of the population. Another swath is holding on to those as the sole source of truth for dear life. Because God forbid they should realize that that also is bullshit. And so what do we do? Well, first off, we're seeing that everybody's going to like different doubt resolvers. Some people are going to equally absurd Fox News to resolve their doubts about what's going on. Some people uh, are going to certain conspiracy postings on Twitter. Some people are going to the Washington Post, which is owned by Jeff Bezos, oligarch multi-billionaire who has his own agenda. So we're we're in a state where this is not resolvable in the, in the normal way by consensus. And people are really pissed at each other because, because what is religion, right? I mean, religion, unless it's a true religion where you're going into the doubt and experiencing it like actual religion, but most people are not religious in the deep sense. They're religious in the sense of the philosopher. It's, hey, I don't know what's going to happen after I die or what the meaning of life is, so I need something to resolve this huge existential doubt. And so if I have a story from a Bible or the Quran or some other religious text. Now I feel better. I know the deal. And people kill each other over, you know, different versions of this because it's so important to have this doubt resolved. And if you've gotten it all set, you got your shit in order. Like, I don't know. I know, it's, I know what the deal is. I read the Bible and I know exactly what the deal is now. And somebody has a different book, different holy book. And they're like, no, your, your book is bullshit. And here's why you're going to want to kill that dude for introducing new doubt back. In. That dude, that is unacceptable that he is telling people this, you know, you need, and, and that other people are actually believing him. You'd probably be okay with it if nobody believed him, but if millions of people believe him, then it's a problem. And so just put that into our current politics. Most of the stuff is bullshit, but we're basically fighting over whatever it is that's like worked for us in the past. And, here we are. I have some beliefs. I have some ideas of what I think is true, but it's just like, it's almost torture to like go down your Twitter feed and see like what people are saying. And you're like, dude, that is such bullshit. You're just holding on to that story. And it's a total lie. And I see people who are very smart at baseball analysis or football analysis or whatever embracing what seems to me like the most desperate attempt to resolve some sort of uncertainty or to be consistent with something they used to believe a while ago.
0: Maybe I'm twisting this, but uh, let me just phrase this. In your hypothetical, isn't it, I would argue that it's a good place to be because that would lead that, say your example, that would lead that uh, caller in. Uh, person to go and do research themselves and become a smarter person in the area and own their own decision. Whereas, you know, people now, maybe I'm looking more into which president, not just listening to whatever the three major stations tell me in the background, or now for the reason now, in the sense, the opposite of that, there are too many stations and they're all telling me whatever uh, opposite things. Um, So what are your thoughts on that? Just making you do your, you know, thinking outside the box and and doing your own thinking.
1: Well, I think you're right, but I think that's the ideal, right? That's like when you embrace the doubt, when you say, all right, this is uncomfortable, this doubt, like I want to just get rid of it and have an answer right now. But instead I'm stuck with it because I can see around me that nobody really has an answer. Nobody has a good answer. That's just, okay, I can just, you know, this is my new religion. Suddenly this is the guy I need to start tomorrow Nobody really knows, and yeah, I have to look into it myself, whether it 's doing research or if it's a spiritual doubt, you know experiencing the the actual sensation of doubt and digging into it and not trying to get rid of it and that's right that's what should happen, and that is an opportunity this is an opportunity this time, but unfortunately, what ends up happening is when most people are faced with doubt, they cling even harder to the answer that you know, that makes them get rid of the doubt quickest. And so then you have a lot of con artists preying upon that tendency, giving people answers. You see this with gurus, spiritual gurus or self-help gurus, and you see it with political commentators and political operations. You know, I think that the I think there's actual operations that that basically use the sense of uncertainty and to get agendas. Past and, and to get the people into power that they prefer, they u- they obviously use this. They use the fear that people have and the uncertainty they have, and then when people are in this state, they can be incredibly intolerant of other people because it's not really that they care about the thing they purport to care about. It's that that person is a threat to their peace of mind, like you believing something that they just cannot. See how you can believe is a threat to their peace of mind, and they're going to be pissed. It's not just going to be like, oh well, Donald Don loves Donald Trump, and he doesn't think that controlled by Putin or that Russian interference happened or whatever. They'll, they're going to be like, you're an asshole for thinking that. You're an asshole for supporting him. That's what they'll think. They're not going to be like, oh well, I guess we just don't agree on that. It's cool. It, it, it's going to make them angry. It's not just going to be like okay. And so that now we have like this people are terrified to say what they believe. There's a huge uh, amount of pressure to form a tribe and, and speak and vote and act in lockstep with that tribe. And there's you know enforcement. If you step out of line, you might get excommunicated from that tribe. So I don't know. I just feel like this is the state that we're in. And there's a lot of opportunities for the reason you pointed out, but there's also a lot of downside to it.
0: Yeah, no, that was probably an idealistic, unrealistic take. Um, it's realistic for buyout. some.
1: I think I think it's happening for some. People who listen to our podcast seem to be those types of people. They don't necessarily agree with us, but that are like, yeah, this is kind of bullshit that I'm being told, like, what is true? And you and I don't know. We don't have a monopoly on anything, but we, I, at least I like to think we're trying to figure it out. You're, you're lucky when you, you find people who you can have a conversation with about this kind of shit.
0: Yeah. Do you have any other further thoughts politically? My guy Yang dropped out. So sad to see, but, uh, anything since, uh, last week, I don't want to get into, I, I don't want to attack the
1: idiotic takes and stuff because I just feel like that shit just gets me down the wrong road too. like, just say what's happening. Bernie Sanders is the overwhelming favorite. The establishment who is being paid for by the oligarchs does not want him to win and they're going to do what they can. I don't know if you saw that Mike Bloomberg recording, that audio of him saying some crazy racist stuff, like probably um, worse than anything Trump's ever said about this. Oh, I haven't. I,
0: I saw that he's like offering money, uh, sorry to interrupt, but uh, influencers to, uh, to like talk about him Well, he's offering a, a rate to, to media influencers to hype him up. But no, OK, there's a bad, a bad recording.
1: Yeah. Go uh, check out Greenwald's feed. I, I can't remember the guy who exposed it. Greenwald retweeted him. I'll, I'll scroll down, but he tweets a lot, so it's hard to uh, find it. But okay. there, there's, I mean, it's the stop and frisk stuff, and he's defending it. And I would argue it's more racist. Oh, this guy Benjamin Dixon is the one who, uh, and he wrote an article in The Guardian about it, Benjamin Dixon, at Benjamin P. Dixon on Twitter. And I I would argue it's more racist directly than anything Trump, that at least that I've heard that Trump said. It's pretty it's pretty crazy. And people are just, the media is just like, nothing to see here. Move along. You know, like I haven't heard it. You yeah. no, it's, it's, you, should, you gotta listen to the whole thing. It's pretty crazy. So that's just, you know, what's still going on. Uh, I don't think I asked
0: you, uh, what were your thoughts on Romney voting the way he did?
1: I mean, this is another one of those things where, you know, the, I don't want to say the left. I hate when they say the left. These aren't the left, the neolibs. think he's like incredibly principled to go against this party. But he'll be like one of those ex neocons, like David Frum, is getting paid to be on MSM. You know, he's now going to be a popular guy on in the neoliberal circles yeah. now. So he's right. getting some payback for that. Obviously, he's going to be persona non grata in conservative circles. So maybe that's a calculation. But but you know, those people think, oh, what a principled guy he is. I think this guy's in like one of those vulture capital firms, made you know hundreds of millions of dollars. And now, I don't know, I mean, I, I, you know, to me, he just seems like a scumbag, loser politician who realized where his bread was going to be buttered for the next 10 years and, and did that. But maybe there was some, maybe he does believe he had a principle and maybe he's a better guy that I'm giving him credit for, but you know, I don't don't know. I haven't looked into it that much. I've, he seems like such a dull, your basic like suit to me that I never, I haven't looked into it enough. So it's probably unfair. He, he might've even (laughs) explained why he did it and maybe it even makes sense. I have no idea.
0: In general though, it probably is safe to just question everyone's ulterior motives. So in in life you're probably all right. There's a, well, I don't, I don't think we should.
1: I don't think we should. I just think politicians are especially suspect. And the other thing that struck me is I'm watching this TV show Occupied and it's about,
0: um, Oh, you told, you told me to watch yeah, that. It's you're pretty so good. I mean, it's a little, did,
1: yeah. it's a little soap operay, but you know, it's like all those shows like they go for a while and you're like, it's, it's pretty good though. And, uh, but there's just, like so much blackmail in all those shows, like Homeland and Occupied. It's like there's so much blackmail going on. And you think about the F scene thing, like how much is like, how much of our entire, Geopolitical scene is just total blackmail. People just have the goods on each other, and like that's driving like you know 70 or not 70 say 30 percent of the decisions that we find out about. We're like, why would they allow fracking, you know, when it's poisoning the groundwater? And it's like, yeah, because the you know, somebody is black who has investments in it is blackmailing somebody. You know, it just seems like all those shows, sure. you just, you're just like, yeah. oh, yeah, they're blackmailing them. Or the other one that I love, and I've said this before. It's like when you watch like the Bourne Identity, they're like, oh, shit, the, the program's going to leak. we got to kill Jason Bourne. We'll kill one of our own guys who's like tried so hard and sacrificed so much. Right. For, like, you know, We'll just murder him and six other guys because we can't let this get out. We'll all be fired. And when you watch those movies, you're never like,
0: Oh no, the CIA would never do that. Yeah, well, I, well, between Epstein and the TV shows, I have nothing is is I question nothing. It does seem like oh, there probably is a lot no, of blackmail. Do you think
1: anybody is oh. like when when they're like, we got to kill our own guys to cover the suburb, Everyone's like,
0: oh no, the CIA wouldn't do that. All right, all right. No, I mean, you think you think people do not believe that you are saying. No, I'm saying, of course they believe it. They're, they don't question
1: it for one second. They're like, oh, of course okay. they're trying to kill Jason Bourne because he, he's got the goods on them and they can't let him a live. a TV show, right. Okay. I'm saying they right. never, they, for one second, they never question that the CIA would do this. But then in real life, they're like, these noble patriots keeping us safe. I mean, it's so weird, <laughs> right? Like, how can, you, how can both, how can like John Brennan go on MSNBC and like talk to be like, oh, John Brennan, he's, he knows what he's talking about. And you're like, Wait a second. John Brennan was the director of the CIA. Like, it's it's very strange, the place we're at.
0: Very strange indeed. Um, coronavirus. Uh, after we reported last week, you even sent me something possible. Detention to accidentally leaked some crazy statistics. Lately, it's been more positive, last day or two. But do you have any thoughts on this, I don't know, possibly just crazy, crazy uh, epidemic going on? Yeah, I've heard two different strong things. One is...
1: That this is basically not a serious thing and that China is using it to lock down their population and to handle the Hong Kong disaster and also to deflect blame for a fiscal crisis that's coming that they cannot stop because the leadership will be blamed for it if all these people lose their jobs and livelihoods and the economy collapses in China. But this is a hell of an excuse if it's this serious. So he thinks hmm. <clears throat> this guy, he's this guy on Twitter who I follow for um, stock trading. He just seems like he's a very sharp trader. I do He doesn't have any sp- particular expertise in global espionage or uh, global uh, pandemics, but he said that he talks to a lot of his clients who are experts in that thing, and they all say it's nothing, and he believes that this is intentional, that either they made it up or if it happened accidentally, that they're using it to uh, As an out for the problems that they 've created, the china 's in big trouble, and the Trump tariffs are really really squeezing them, mm. and that there 's going to be possibly a collapse in the economy, and this is their only way of not being completely who knows what the consequences would be for the leadership if that happened but it 's like, well, listen, you know this horrible virus got of control, so that 's his theory. I have other theories i 've heard that you know that this is just getting started the incubation period is longer and the stats are underreported but on balance it seems like the the catastrophic the catastrophic story is less seems like less strong than the getting relatively contained
0: yeah no, i know while we talk about the media so i just have no no idea what to believe but um yeah i definitely don't i definitely am not taking what the media is reporting at face value though because i mean even if we're trying to be straightforward about it. Who knows the information we're getting from over there, but there's some crazy, there's some craziness though. You'd see that people have been stuck on a, on a cruise for like three weeks, Uh, never go on a cruise ever quarantine for three weeks on a cruise, like the elderly. I mean, it's some craziness. I mean, just stuck on a cruise for 20 days and counting. I mean, it's, it's a
1: bunch of sick people and like eating that food. I mean, everyone's probably feels
0: disgusting. Yeah. That's, that's gotta be, yes, that's gotta be insane on there for that, that amount of time and counting. Yeah,
1: that's it's not good.
0: going um, you know, yeah, gonna kill that industry. Yeah, but crazy situation. I just yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I guess obviously we don't have any answers. But either of those could be true, and and they're both scary, right? Like what if the what if it's if it's made up? That means that they're pretty desperate in other ways, right? I mean, if they're if they're trying to exaggerate, that means there some, some something else is about to happen,
1: right? But that could be good because China is sort of the enemy of the U.S. geopolitically, and you don't feel good for the people, but it in terms of just you know the I don't know uh, then again, a collapse we might be so interconnected yeah. at this point that a collapse in yeah. their currency or economy could just wreck us too, so that's but in another sense, like we're competitors, and sort of like when russia when the Soviet Union collapsed, you know that was good for the u s you know right. it was it was it was just it was the end of the cold War or the end of the official cold War, so this could be like a cold war that ends because of that too obviously you don't want the actual people in the country to suffer, uh, miserably. Yeah. There's that. I'm not like, I don't think we're out of the woods yet. I just think like something like a virus that is killing whatever 2% of people and can do damage to your immune system. That shit could still spread. I'm not like, I'm not cavalier about it, but it's not as, it's not as worrisome as if the, as if we saw like, You know, hundreds of cases in the U.S. already that were diagnosed or something like that. You know, there's only 13 in the U.S. right now, officially.
0: Yeah, but there's some report that uh, the first uh, evacuee from China known to be infected uh, was mistakenly released from San Diego Hospital yesterday or something. I don't know. When you hear stuff like that... Seems like it could be uh, something to to, to worry about, but uh, hopefully, yeah. And then there's other reports saying like, oh, the flu—you're far more likely, you know, to to die of the flu. But that's uh, not true. That's not true. The
1: the death rate is much higher in this, and those are always like stupid comparisons. They're like people are like, well, why are you worried about Ebola? It killed like outside of Africa, it killed like five people or something. You know, I mean, people die from uh, getting electrocuted in the bathtub, you know, 20 people died from that or something. And you're like, yeah, but the if you were to be told that in the year 2025 100 million people died of x, is it going to be, you know, getting electrocuted in the bathtub or Ebola uh, becoming a more uh, contagious strain? You know, like which which is more likely? Which scales? And obviously it's the disease. So I think like people who are cavalier about shit like this are just Never, you know, it's a Nassim Taleb thing. It's like the thing with the fat tail, the thing that if it does hit, can hit huge. Never be cavalier about that shit.
0: Totally. And the thing with the flu could be like those numbers could be disproportionately the elderly or whatever. And this could obviously just affects any. Well, this one, I think. It's elderly too. Yeah, mostly. I know, I know. It it is disproportionately too. Maybe that was a bad example. No, but yeah.
1: No, I mean, they're all, I mean, you know, take care of your health. But you never know. You could be one of the rare cases that your immune system just has a problem with this thing,
0: so. Yeah. No, speaking of health, have you ever heard of the, the, the blue zones? I've never asked you about that. You yeah, heard, do you have any thoughts on those? Yeah. Do you have thoughts on those?
1: Um, I've heard some of it's bullshit, but to the extent it's true, I, I think, yeah, it's probably cultural, lifestyle, food, you know, a combination of
0: the things in those areas that keep people healthy for a long time. Yeah, there's like a social connection and just exercise and, and the food they eat is basically yeah. whatever the stuff, that, exactly right. the type of diet that we talk about up here every week. Yeah, there's that, but there's. there's yeah, I've heard them. There are areas throughout the world called blue zones where the average age expectancy is like over 100, and just everyone that lives there kind of lives a similar lifestyle, and their their age expectancy through the roof. You know, like Akawana in, in Japan, if I probably said that wrong, and then there's a, a o- place Okinawa. in California, okay, Okinawa, I think. Sorry, and a place in California even. But um, anyway, they're, they're just interesting. Blue zones are called.
1: Yeah, some of it I read was bullshit, but there is something to it. Uh, The interesting study was by Weston Price in, like, the 1920s or 30s. He was this dentist who traveled the world, and he was wondering why all the locals in these faraway places didn't have any cavities, whereas all the Americans had cavities, like, to a man, to a kid. And he started figuring out what they were eating, and he took photos of these guys. This is, like, you know, tribes that just weren't in contact with Western foods in, like, the early 20th century. And these dudes, some of them had like gray beards and some of them were like, you know, in their 20s and 30s, they're like standing there with their spears or whatever they're using. And these dudes are all jacked. I mean, they look like professional athletes without their shirts on. It looks like an NFL locker room, these three guys. And you're like... Yeah, because these guys spearing fish and eating that, fresh caught wild fish, they were spearing that and eating like root vegetables and grabbing some berries along the way. That's all they ate. They they didn't have like white flour and rice and all this shit. And, And he went all over the place and different tribes ate different diets because some of them were close to the water and they had seafood and some of them only subsisted on like mostly milk, like fermented milk and like blood of the animals and... A lot of root vegetables, and some of them subsisted on, you know, mostly meat. And there was like the Eskimos that ate mostly fat, animal fat, but they didn't get sick. Nobody had cancer. Nobody had heart disease. Nobody did. And then he checked out tribes of the same genetic makeup that low were cancer. Up. Yes, exactly.
0: Places that have completely off the charts, uh, an outlier in cancer rates. Yeah, right. exactly. And,
1: and then he then he checked out the same genetic people. 100 miles away, that at that time had been introduced to Western foods, and they were missing teeth, they had terrible cavities, they were not nearly as strong, and they did not live as long, they had all sorts of diseases. It's the same people, they just, some of their cousins or whatever, migrated toward where there was more civilization, and they were in bad shape. Some of them in worse shape even than like we are because we have adapted to it a little bit, barely, but we have. And these guys were wrecked. And it, it just showed it wasn't like the one thing they were eating, or it was more what they weren't eating. It was, more, it was more about, it wasn't like having the perfect diet. It was whatever was you know, local to them. But it was, and all of them had some animal products. Nobody was vegan. There were some that didn't eat a lot of meat, that had mostly milk and milk products and a little bit of meat. Some of them were mostly seafood.
0: But none of these
1: remote tribes are vegan.
0: Hmm. Interesting. You reminded me when you said animal fat. I was eating in a, a burger in a San Francisco place and they said they cooked their fries and ta- uh, fried them in tallow. That that's would great. be a plus, right? That's what you want, yeah, right? Oh, no, exactly. I've been avoiding the fries because that's almost all vegetable oil. And I saw that this is like my, my favorite burger place called 4505 in San Francisco. And, it, and I'm like, dude, Liz would love that, right? It's called tallow, right?
1: Yeah, tallow is one of the fats that's really good. Yeah, I would eat fries in tallow too. You don't want to reuse it like a thousand times like a lot of restaurants do. So that may be an issue, but. That reused vegetable oil that they make fries in, it's like probably the worst thing for you. And I, yeah. I love fries, but that reused vegetable oil that's there for weeks, that is truly a toxic substance.
0: All right. So I'll uh, transition here. We talked a little sports. I was in San Francisco to do an in-person fantasy baseball draft. Actually, some people... In the industry, Eno Saris, Sammy Reed, Howard Bender, Justin Mason, uh, even like NFBC guys, Casey Bubba, Matthew Davis, Batflip Crazy, those guys, all local. So it was my first one. It's an on-base percentage league. Um, definitely fun in-person fantasy baseball drafts. So I'm a little bit more in baseball mode. What about you, Liz? Have you done um, any baseball? Oh, I did end up with Danny Jansen on my team. You see this crazy story about the, the, the blue Jays prospect <laughs> who's in trouble for exposing sexual organs or something. That's a, that's a wild, a uh, wild aside on that one. But I think I dominated that draft. I was happy with my team, but no one cares about boring uh, going over the draft results. So have you done any, any fancy baseball drafts lists? And do you have any, Thoughts so far on on baseball.
1: Yeah, especially the on base league. That just distorts everything. Yeah, for sure. sure. Uh, I started, I downloaded the Steamer projections and I started to convert them into dollar values. And then I'm going to take that and weight it like 30%, and then put 70% on the NFBC ADPs, and then uh, aggregate those into rankings. What I did last year, I had a good year. And there's just some interesting stuff. I mean, it's not really me, it's just Steamer doing this. But they have some weird rankings. Like they have Salvador Perez as their number two catcher, and they have Mitch Garver as their number 13 catcher with only ninety games played. And I can't figure out why they only gave him ninety games. I guess he didn't have a lot of games his first few years, but seems kind of arbitrary. So you gotta be careful with Steamer a little bit because the games played stuff is like it's the rate stats are all, you know, algorithmic, but I'm a little suspicious of games playing stats being algorithmic. So there's some weird outliers, but I'm still going to use it. There, there's some reason they have him for that many games. And uh, it just sort of... The idea Rufus Peabody does this for his, his bets. He basically has his Massey Peabody numbers, but then he aggregates those with the market numbers. So if he thinks the team should be a three-point favorite and the market has uh, them as a seven-point favorite, well, he, he'd probably make the line around five. He'd put it about halfway between. So I'm going to use the ADP, the NFBC ADP as the market line, and I'm going to use the Steamer as sort of the Rufus Peabody numbers. And the reason why I think it's similar is that Rufus does a lot of things like figures out like, well, this team has a really good record, but they've been really lucky with turnovers, say. So they're getting a little bit of extra credit for something that's basically luck. And that's what Steamer does, right? They just take like the things that I don't always agree with it, but they'll say, well, this guy gave up a lot of fly balls, but he didn't give up a lot of home runs so we're going to regress him or this guy struck out a ton of guys but gave up a lot of hits his bad babip was high like i'm going to regress that so they they basically it's it's similar they're just taking out what they think is noise and i think the adp is going to be way better just like rufus even concedes the the uh spread is actually a better measurement of, of the strength of the teams than his numbers but there may be information in his numbers that the that the market is missing. And that's sort of the same idea Mm -hmm. that steamer may be able to, they don't have like recency bias or excitement about a young player or any of that stuff. It's just all by the numbers.
0: Okay. A few thoughts on the projections. I heard you talking a little bit about this on um, XM totally with you using them all. Uh, I definitely use ADP. Um, I was waiting for Cardi's, the bat to come out. I was even bugging him last week before, uh, this upcoming draft. He's not out. He's supposed to be out soon. Uh, but actually forced me to, to really bump up just guys. I, I personally like in my, my rankings. I ended up with the Vlad Guerrero, Tyler Glass now, Lizardo, Paddock, um, didn't really care too much they were ahead. Of, I'm on the end too. So, um, but have you heard of uh, or do you follow with all the ATC projections because they're readily available on, on Fangraphs too. And Ar- Ariel Cohen basically it's what he does is he, he takes an aggregate, so it's similar to what you're doing of all the projection systems like Steamer and the Bat and Zips and he picks like what he finds the best. Like it's like, "Oh, the Bat's been the best at projecting home runs the last 5 years, so I'm going to highlight home runs." And he so he aggregates all of that and uh anyway from what i've seen so far i've been pretty impressed
1: so i know rl i've done his podcast i've seen him in person at the uh i might see him this year i don't know if he's doing the nfbc main in new york again i i'd heard of that projection system the problem there's no real problem the steamer seemed to be the best one last year i used half steamer half i used 20 percent steamer 20 percent cardi the bat and 60 percent NFBC ADP to make my basic list. Then I tweaked it just according to my own preferences, but I didn't do a lot of tweaks, maybe five or 10 up or down. So I was basically just saying, you know, I'm going to let these get like the best information, put those into my sheet, and then move it for, you know, a couple areas where I think I have an insight into a player, which isn't that many. His is interesting. I just wonder that, you know, is Steamer the best at home runs for five years in a row, or is just last year their best at home runs? Like, would you rather have the the systems that perform the best overall or would you rather cherry pick their strengths and weaknesses if it's only a year or maybe two years of strengths and weaknesses?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure how Grady backdates it or the data. Everybody seems like a, a smart guy, I and mean, he uses the Nate. It's, I guess it's a Nate Silver's model. Basically, five does the same thing, but that's no longer as big of a, I guess, a, a plus maybe seen. But um, I don't know. I thought it was interesting and very. I just definitely had to bring it up because it's similar kind of to what you're trying to do.
1: Yeah, the difference is that I'm not. That my biggest weight is still going to be the market. I still think the yeah. collective it's, intelligence yeah. of the NFBC drafters is way better than any of the algorithms.
0: And we're still time. We're talking projections, not fantasy rankings. Also, too. Well, I convert
1: the projections into fantasy right. rankings through right. a formula, so right. they end up being fantasy rankings. So I, yeah. I, I can convert Steamer through my own formula, and there's a little bit of art and a little bit of science. I mean, there's like standard deviations and replacement value, but where I set the replacement value is very. I don't want to say sketchy, but it's very. I change my mind about it all the time. Like. If you're like, all right, so one thing I do is I take out the relief pitchers. So I'm like, all right, let's say starting pitching. I feel like in a typical NFBC lineup, there's nine pitchers. So you have six and a half starters, two and a half relievers, right? Like you have to have two relievers basically for saves. You have to have six starters. And then that that last spot is sometimes it's a reliever, sometimes it's a starter. So I go two and a half and six and a half. So with relievers, I go um, 30 deep in a 12-team league, right? 12, 12, and six. And with starters, I go 78 deep. So six, you know, six starters times twelve teams plus half of twelve is another six. So seventy-eight. And so, where would you set replacement value then in a league like that?
0: Like seventy-eight active. So okay, what number is replacement level? I don't know, seventy-eight. Right? Right. I guess so the seventy-eight. Right? 78. Right? Sorry, I missed. Okay, seventy-eight.
1: Right, seventy-eight-ish. Right, but like, you don't want to just do seventy-eight because it could be a strikeout guy who walks too many. It could be a home run guy who doesn't strike out a lot. You, know, you want to have a an average mix. So I would say, all right, let's say number 65 to 85 would be like a range. I'll just average those guys. That'll be my replacement value. So it'll be a smattering of different profiles of pitcher, right? Some strikeout guys, some ground ballers, some fly ballers, whatever. They'll just all mix and you'll get an average replacement number type of pitcher. But what if you think, ah? Eh, I don't know, man, those guys, a lot of those guys have like 120, 110 innings, 140 innings. That's not really replacement level. Like replacements, maybe a little higher. Like maybe it's more like the 50th to 70th pitcher is more like replacement. Cause you're going to be mixing and matching with good starts. And you know, you're not just going to leave a guy in at the 70th pitcher, 70th starting pitcher right. all year. So maybe what the real replacement level is, is like the average of 40 to 70, 40 to 60. Well, when you change that, when you, when you do that, then it changes everything because you have a certain amount of money to apportion to pitching. Usually NFBC is like 66, 34, a couple of years ago. I've stuck with that. It might've mm-hmm. changed a little bit, but I assume it's pretty much the same. So 34% of the 200, you know, it's $260 times 12 teams, 34% goes to pitching and then a certain amount goes to relief pitching and the rest goes to the starters and if you make replacement value like the 40th pitcher or the 50th pitcher or whatever, average between you know whatever, the guys at the top are going to collect all the money. It's such high replacement that the 30th pitcher is not going to be that high over replacement. So his dollars are going to be a couple of bucks. So all the pitching dollars are going to go to the top. So you're going to have Scherzer and Verlander and Degrom and Cole at like 45 bucks each. But if you make the replacement value. 70 to 90 then those pictures go down to like 35 bucks each mm-hmm. so which do you use
0: uh, i mean i guess i, I don't know what the the replacement value you make it you jack it up then i guess i don't know i
1: i've just no. trying to, you know I, it's art and no. science i don't know exactly where to set it and i have to make this call and i do it for the hitters too i take out the catchers i just do the hitters to go hundred forty four.
0: Yeah, that's why. I, honestly that's why i just i don't yeah i don't know i don't, I always wouldn't care that much but i guess i'm not ever built i don't ever build my own system like that so i don't know i just use a more of a feel. i guess um i believe me i trust projection systems i just i just kind of blindly I don't know. I just, I guess if you're doing it yourself, I don't know, man, that's a lot of responsibility, I guess is what I would say. I mean, you, well, whatever, you whatever you decide is basically, I guess, just like me deciding a gut feeling on a player. Yeah, you got to make a pick exactly too. the same. Yeah. yeah
1: right. You, you got to make yeah. the pick just like I have to make the pick. Yeah. But if I want to get the best information, I'm trying to translate steamers projections into the be- Basically what I decide with things like that is going to be how steamer or cardi or Ariel's projections get translated into rankings into dollar values, which are also rankings, right? I mean, rankings are just dollar values in descending order. So it's
0: tested throughout the years too, right? Experience, right?
1: I've done it every year. I've done like a version yep. of this and I've ranked right. it differently. And I, I felt like last year, I really, I had one of my best years. 2015 was my best year, but last year was probably my second best in a long time. And I felt like that it was good. Maybe I got lucky or who knows, but, but because you want to get the best information about the players informing your picks and the best information is the market plus what the market might be missing the the you know the things that the market's biased and doesn't see the blind spots i thought this was a really good balance between it but i but it's up to me to get to get the steamer projections to really generate a rankings list that that are reflective of the projections right because it's not obvious if I say, oh, Max is going to have 262 strikeouts, a 270 ERA, a 108 whip, and 14 wins, and I'm going to have Francisco Lindor with 29 home runs, 26 steals, a 290 batting average, 90 runs, and 93 RBIs, what's more valuable? Yeah, how do you come up? The, uh, it's not obvious, right? What's more valuable? Right. And it's only—it's not like, oh, well, of course, Lindor's more valuable because no, it's just—it's very difficult to answer that question. It depends what's going on with all the other players and all. The, so I'm trying to—just the stat lines alone don't tell you who to pick first. So how I do this is going to tell me who to pick first. At least forty percent of it, the market's going to tell me the other sixty percent, and I have to make decisions about what the best approximation. Of ste- there's no right answer in the sense that steamer is just a bunch of projections, and how v- and and those are just 50th percentile projections, not even you know range of outcomes or anything. And so, I'm trying to take these numbers and turn them into a draft sheet. And there's no right answer. There's just what's the best model I can make for. Where they should get to, right
0: and then, the, and also there's a big difference yeah the overall component I know you're very nfp heavy, but I mean obviously that that would be a, a really a noticeable difference versus oh, an overall component or just a 12 team lead
1: well, I think there's only a couple of differences I think the differences are really just
0: saves and steals mostly yeah but they're major in my opinion they might be a couple, but those're they're, they're treated very very differently
1: yeah, I did some fudging to boost the the saves of the closer. So in the relief pitchers that save getters were boosted more than, because what happens if you just do the saves by formula, you'll have like your top 30 relievers and like 12 of them will be less than five, save, fewer than five saves because you'll be like, Oh, well they have better ratios and better strikeouts per steamer. And you're like, yeah, but I need to get the guys with the saves. I can't really, you know, I'm not going to be drafting some setup guy or I might like in the last round and hope that he gets the job, but I'm not going to use him if he doesn't get saves. So I had to like fudge it a bit to make the saves guys get to the top and then just sort those guys and value them against each other rather than...
0: Are you Are you posting this or is this just
1: for you? I'm going to post it. I got okay. it. Not, it's not done yet, but... Um, we we'll wait
0: for the bat too. Wait for Cardi. It'll be I don't know. It's two. So
1: much more work to do two of them. And then, um, <laughs> Cause I did it last year. It's like, okay. So now i have to like, I, I have to like put the for, you know, all the formulas in the standard deviations, and all the stuff that takes a little while, but then I, I've got to like take out the catchers from the hitting pool. I got to take out the relievers from the pitching pool. And then I've got to calculate each thing separately to do it right. I'm, I screwed up something with the catchers. I, I got to look into it. The, the numbers aren't right. J, JT real Muto is way too high
0: right all right well i look forward to it definitely i'm glad you you post that uh good stuff lists i um yeah we'll we'll definitely talk more baseball when we get closer but um Uh, I dominated my Oscar pool, went 21 of 24, picked Parasite to win Best Picture. Still recommend that movie. Um, And, uh, dude, did you see Donald? I told you the the curve has been a little uneven So through four four episodes. But Larry David did this really funny skit in the first uh, episode where he wore a Make America Great Again hat and got away with all kinds of things. Donald Trump tweeted it out two days ago as like a good thing. when clearly Larry David's mo- Anyway, it's pretty funny that Trump well, I, I've read some of-
1: commentary though, that he, while well, well, obviously his intent was to mock it. He actually did promote oh, sure loved it. it. And that's yeah, why right. Trump liked it because, <laughs> right. because it's like, I didn't see the episode, but I, I do want to see it. But the idea is sort of like when you have the MAGA hat on, you can do whatever the hell you want. You don't have to do worry about all this bullshit cuz nobody wants to deal with you or like all the uptight people kind of hate you and walk away basically For or sure. something like that. Yeah. And in yeah. a way it's sort of like this is freedom. Like I I've got my hat on. He didn't mean it that way. I didn't even see the episode, but I heard a I read some sort of commentary on it. And I was thinking not surprising that trump would, would tweet it out you know larry david's probably aghast that he did yeah. you know
0: but. no for sure that's why this sounds so funny to trump thing. yeah it's like kind of a call, uh, earlier uh, episode in the show he trips uh, shaquille o'neal on the sidelines and he becomes a social pariah but it's like the greatest thing ever in larry's mind because no yeah. one asks him anymore for favors or to do anything so he right. loves that but um um yeah man that's all i got uh, you have anything else for us uh, anything else Liz?
1: not really i'll just leave with a hoops observation i I haven't even seen it but uh dre pointed something out that people should watch i think that's interesting is the rockets traded clint capella and got robert covington back and andre's argument is that that was potentially a brilliant move because it unleashes russell westbrook's skills in a way that really they hadn't been unleashed in in quite a while because he's kind of unguardable one-on-one to the basket and they can't double him with all the shooters they have and it's uh gonna be some exciting basketball so anyway i was just was andre snelling's who came up with that and uh i was just looking at some box scores and i was like wow they are it is kind of working for westbrook so it might be an exciting thing with the uh with the rockets taking off
0: yeah i just recorded a video today calling robert covington a top 15 fantasy player down the stretch in category leagues he's going to be a monster i love the small ball setup no one under i think the first team ever i think uh since the the merger to win four straight games all getting out rebounded double digits in every one um yeah that's definitely going to be fun to watch uh as a warriors fan i'm all in on this wiggins move let's do it uh yeah D'Angelo Russell no worries no worries good luck I'm, with sorry. Defense a,
1: I'm sorry I opened yeah. the door to that I didn't, I didn't yeah. mean to open yeah, the door it's to your that. fault all right, man. And, and wait wait last thing yeah have you looked at what Bitcoin's trading at right now oh uh, it's like over 10 right yeah dude yeah. the bull it's the bull market man just every day what you can afford don't do more than you can afford whatever it's X per day keep stacking those things yeah. have you been doing okay. it have you been doing yeah, it yeah yeah yep yep all right all right, nice, yep. nice. All right, man. Good talking. I'll talk to you next week. Uh, yeah, same to you. Later, list. All right, later on.